0: Hi folks, this is Rue And Dave. And welcome to So Many Books.
1: So Little Time.
0: Today we're going to continue with Chapter 21 of Anne of Green Gables by Ellen Montgomery. Cue the music.
1: So, um... I want to take a break this week from discussing primarily literature and or the weather. Mm-hmm. And now when this podcast goes out, it will be some time removed from the, uh, uh, this discussion. But I saw the movie Cats yesterday.
0: Mm. And, yes.
1: unironically, I loved it. Now, now, many of our listeners, as well as we have probably seen the hilarious horror show of reviews that have come out about the movie, which is why I went with my friend Kenneth to see the movie in the first place. We were like, oh, this sounds like an absolute train wreck. Let's go. We did the same last year for Holmes and Watson. Now, Now, I came out of Holmes and Watson really sad that I'd wasted like two hours of my life watching that. i came out of cats with just pure joy on my face it it was an experience folks like um i was thinking about it last night. i cannot wait for the blu-ray to come out just so that every film critic on youtube will create think pieces which is basically look at this shot what's going on in this shot like it's You've probably heard about how. Well, you've seen. You've probably seen the trailer and how. So,
0: so two things. I have seen the. I have seen that it performed in Germany, on stage. So I've seen the musical. So I have a general idea of how psychedelic it is. I've seen the trailer and I went, no, I cannot make myself do this. Um, also, you're very hopeful to think that this is going to get a Blu-ray.
1: Every movie gets a bluer. I
0: don't know. I think if, if, if Lucky they, have again... re-
1: they have to recoup their losses, this has been a financial flop. So they spent a hundred million dollars on this movie.
0: And didn't they get something like seven or eight million back on the box office opening weekend?
1: Um, I don't know. It
0: was really, really bad. Like, <laughs> sorry, it was very bad. Yeah, um, no,
1: no, it's it's a financial flop. There were 10 other people in the cinema with us. No walkouts. Um they all looked like people who were there because they liked cats. There was actually one family of like four generations of women, even like little girls as well. Um which which the the, the mother might have regretted that because the you might have heard the movie is unbelievably horny.
0: The the the, <laughs> the musical was too for anyone who could actually.
1: I, I imagine so. You know, um, the 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 stage musical is uh, dancers in full body cat suits gallivanting around the stage.
0: Pretty much. Uh,
1: the movie is actors in CGI cat suits gallivanting around the stage.
0: Not much of a difference, Um really. And
1: it's not good CGI. Uh, th- there there's a scene where there are mice mm-hmm. and the mice are CGI mice with human faces. Like the cats are like the cockroaches are, you may have heard about the cockroach scene. Uh, but yeah, but the mice are children and the camera's a little ways away from them to try and hide just how the human faces do not fit on the mice bodies. I, I, I do want to say that, uh, there were many times where I was laughing uncontrollably and, and not, not like to be cruel to the movie just because I was enjoying myself too much. I think that's why. Uh, the movie is 100% sincere. Everyone in the movie is giving it their all. It's like they knew what they signed up for and they're like, we're doing this. Everyone's committed. Uh, there There is no irony in the movie. There's no winking at the camera, even though at the end a judy dench's character addresses the camera and it's actually quite disturbing Mm. one of the the times when i was uncontrollably laughing was when we get the full the first full body shot of judy dench's character walking towards the camera on these stubby little cat legs (laughs) 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 the the other time which was kind of outside the movie uh during the magical Mr. Mistopheles song, where he's trying to summon Judy Dench's character, but he keeps failing at it. So mm-hmm. the song keeps building as he tries again and again and again. Mm-hmm. So he's like, bah, and then there's silence. During one of the bah moments, someone in the audience yawned. Yeah,
0: that's... and
1: And that made me lose it, because say what you want about this movie it is not boring well
0: you see that's (laughs) one of the things like i've heard reviews and one of the big reviews was and and i get it that considering the spectacle and the absolutely almost hallucinogenic level of content it, it was confusing how something like that could yet be so boring for so many people like that was one of the big complaints was that the the pacing made no sense
1: well i've got um, two things to say about that one is uh, I have read a, a critique of it about how Tom Hooper, as a director, he did the king's speech, and then lame is he is known for not actually being able to choose interesting shots when they're needed he's yeah. He's quite a rote director. Mm. So like the maybe that's half the reason I enjoyed this so much. the the, the choices he made visually don't work, and that's part of the the mm. joy. Like like it's it's all wrong. Mm. But um, oh, pacing wise, may, maybe maybe people check out because I was talking to Ken afterwards, and we noticed that you know the movie's just shy of two hours, mm. and the whole time. Just like the musical, I assume there's not a break. There's hardly any dialogue. It's just like one song to the next song, it, or or from one song to a dance number to the next song. It's it's relentless,
0: which is unusual because at least in the musical, you had a little tiny bit of dialogue.
1: There there's there's a few scenes of dialogue in this, but it's it's mainly just breakneck speed. Yeah. So, at least from my point of view, I never got uh, a chance to breathe, as it were, to sit back and hmm. kind of take the madness in. It just you don't have time to process what you're seeing before it moves on to the next nightmare. So
0: for our listeners, for anyone who is intending on watching this movie or hate watching this movie or has watched this movie and hated it or loved it or either way, I would also warmly recommend something that's called I Took My 58-Year-Old Dad to See Cats, and this is his review.
1: Oh, I need to read that.
0: Yes, I will be sending it to you. But to give you an idea... A self- described redneck who doesn't mind a musical from Knoxville, Tennessee might understand Tom Hooper's frightening adaptation better than anyone else
1: yeah, yeah, that's you know a lot of people have been enjoying the um the humorous critic critical response how mm. a lot of critics have used this movie as an exercise in being funny
0: mm.
1: so so there's there's a lot of hilarious hyperbole as it might be called.
0: Yeah, someone just, so, so the title of The Father's Review. Cats isn't so weird if you let yourself get into it. Fair. And Maybe, maybe
1: that's part of it. When I sat down, like I was excited to see this movie. We were building it up for ourselves. And I was sitting down and I'm like, yes, whatever this is, I am ready for it. And to be honest, I think you should go into anything with that mindset. Whether it's a book, you know. Yeah. A movie a game you just let yourself whatever it is like it or hate it just i'm here for what this is and then my reactions are my reactions mm. but i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell myself what this is before i experience it
0: fair although absolutely avoid things that are not great for your mental health that is totally totally a thing there's oh. that's valid mm-hmm. but but yes yes well no
1: because once cause you excluded. you you make your choices you don't have to go see like a horror film that's full of depraved violent imagery you don't I'm have to, saying, to no, see no, those no, things no
0: no, no. no, no. You can, even you if can,
1: the entire world is going this movie yes. is a masterpiece you can go i don't want to see that
0: no it's it's got topics so, yes make make your determination after making a commitment to you know and
1: and, and that's the thing as it. i age um and this is actually very appropriate for a literature podcast as we're mm. reading. Reading out of all the entertainment, maybe aside from video games, is the highest time commitment. Mm. So, um, yes, you, you, you're. as I age, you know, my time is more important to me than it once was. Therefore, I want to make sure that I'm at least vaguely interested in the thing I'm about to dedicate my time to. But I'm also getting less and less concerned about bailing if I don't like it. Like yeah. I give it a good
0: give chance. Give it a good go. Yeah.
1: Like for books, it's usually <clears throat> for books. It's usually because of reading on Kindle mostly. I give it ten percent. Mm. Same thing with movies. Actually, I, I don't do that anymore because I make my decision before I watch it. But there was a period when I was watching the first ten minutes of a movie, and if it grabbed me by that point, I would continue. If it didn't, I would le- let it go. Mm. Um, my my video game YouTube channel, you know, I, yeah, I play yeah. the first ten percent of a game for my impressions. So you know, if that's a fifty-hour game, I play it for five hours, and
0: that my, makes sense, dude. Percentage, yeah.
1: Yeah, my thought is, if the game hasn't shown me what it is in this time, it's doing something wrong.
0: Hmm. No, and that makes sense because it means it's not telling the story
1: or or explaining what it is. Yeah. You know, I I think I think there there is there are works that are slow burns and are ultimately very rewarding for taking the time to go through them. But in the, in those examples of works I've enjoyed, Mm. there's always something in, there's always something to grab me initially. Mm. Yes, it may build, but there's always something there at the start that makes you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm here for this. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) that, that was my, um, uh, gushing about the movie Cats. I Rue asked me last night over Discord um, how the movie was, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast.
0: <laughs> and my response was just like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Cats. Because, I mean, there's songs from Cats that I really enjoy. By the way, if you ever really want to know what what um, Andrew Lloyd Webber's true magnum opus is, there's a fantastic thread on Twitter. The
1: Starlight Express, I read that thread.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: It's basically yep, yep. no, no, no. As horny as cats is. Imagine that with trains.
0: Yeah, no. It, it's, <laughs> it, someone summarized it yeah. as agnostic tra- dream, a dreamscape, uh, agnostic trains that are trying to reproduce somehow. It was. It was just a very. It's very strange, and it is as magnopus. Well,
1: I, I have heard cats described now as um, cats keep introducing themselves until one of them wants to die.
0: Pretty much, yes. It's a bit disturbing. So so today's episode... So, yes.
1: Brought to you by cats.
0: Uh, no, no, no. no <laughs> but no. but
1: how, how do we segue now into Anne of Green Gables? What happened last well, time? Funny
0: um, funnily enough, I'm going to segue um, into the... Mic. So today's chapter title... Much like the beginning of our podcast today uh, is a new departure in flavorings <laughs>
1: <laughs> but 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 what happened last time we we, we need a re- a quick recap
0: and scared herself silly
1: the woods her the imagination woods. Yes, yes, her
0: imagination <laughs> was. Far too. Um, like she has a very extensive imaginative skill, as we know.
1: Yeah, the, these woods were boring, so I made horror well, stories out of it. <laughs> nothing
0: happens here, so it's always kind of simple. I mean, she—it's funny because she's—it's almost like she's. Um, she still appreciates the everyday good, but then she wanted something to contrast it. She's almost missing the horrible things that she has experienced, which is a whole nother... I mean, that's a that's a thing. Um, when you, you're, you're used to having that contrast of horrible things, or you're just used to so many horrible things that you're not used to the, the plain, plain, nice. Mm. Nice is, I, I don't, by the way, I don't like the word nice, so I, that's probably not a good choice. But the, the, the commonplace, mm. the acceptable, the pleasant. And then you want something to contrast it. It's like when someone... Be comfortable. It becomes comfortable, but you become you don't realize the the beauty and the loveliness that is in everyday things. <laughs> but yes. And, and
1: Marilla taught her a lesson.
0: Yes. Well, Marilla insisted that she still had to get something done. She had to go over to um, Diana's, Diana's home, and it just had to be done. There was no, no, can I go during the daytime? No, you're going right now. But it's twilight. No, you're going right now. Why are you afraid of twilight? Oh, because the ghost lady... Okay, no, you are definitely going right now.
1: And Anne was so scared on the way back, she had her eyes closed. She's like, I'd rather run into a tree than have a white thing grab me.
0: I like how Marilla, this is one of the few times where I'm like, oh, Marilla, it's, it's, it's harsh. And I mean, I don't believe in being cruel to be kind. But in this case, it was a boundary setting. It's like, no, this is completely and totally the consequences of, of your own.
1: Even uh, she didn't say it in so many words, but the context of what she said is like, I've indulged in your imagination, even though I've had uh, reservations. Yeah. Yes. But but this is a bridge too far. And yeah,
0: you've, you've gone to. Yeah. So the boundary has been set, which is good. OK, um,
1: so a new departure in flavorings.
0: Yes. Hmm. New departure in flavorings. "'Dear me, there is nothing but meetings and partings in this world,' as Mrs. Lynn says,' remarked Anne plaintively, putting her slate and books down on the kitchen table on the last day of June, and wiping her red eyes with a very damp handkerchief. "'Wasn't it fortunate, Marilla, that I took an extra handkerchief to school today? I had a presentiment that it would be needed.' "'I never thought you were so fond of Mr. Phillips that you'd require two handkerchiefs to dry your tears just because he was going away,' said Marilla." I don't think I was crying because I was really so very fond of him, reflected Anne. I just cried because all the others did. (laughs) It was Ruby Gillis started it. Ruby Gillis has always declared she hated Mr. Phillips, but as soon as he got up to make his farewell speech, she burst into tears. Then all the girls began to cry, one after the other. I tried to hold out, Marilla. I tried to remember the time Mr. Phillips made me sit with Gil- with a boy and the time he spelt my name without an E on the blackboard and how he said I was the worst dunce he ever saw at geometry and laughed at all my spelling and all the times he'd been so horrid and sarcastic. But somehow I couldn't, Marilla, and I just had to cry too. Jane Andrews has been talking for over a month about how glad she'd be when Mr. Phillips went away and she declared she'd never shed a tear. "'Well, she was worse than any of us "'and had to borrow a handkerchief from her brother. "'Of course, the boys didn't cry, "'because she hadn't brought one of her own, "'not expecting to need it. "'Oh, Marilla, it was heartrending. "'Mr. Phillips made such a beautiful farewell speech, "'beginning, "'The time has come for us to part. "'It was very affecting, "'and he had tears in his eyes too, Marilla.' Oh, I felt dreadfully sorry and remorseful for all the times I'd talked in school and drawn pictures of him on my slate and made fun of him and Prissy. I can tell you I'd wished I'd been a model pupil like Minnie Andrews. She hadn't anything on her conscience. The girls cried all the way home from school. Carrie Sloane kept saying every few minutes, The time has come for us to part. And that would start us off again whenever we were in any danger of cheering up. "'I do feel dreadfully sad, Marilla. "'But one can't quite feel in the depths of despair "'with two months' vacation before them, can they, Marilla? (laughs) "'And besides, we met the new minister "'and his wife coming from the station. "'For all, I was feeling so bad about Mr. Phillips going away. "'I couldn't help taking a little interest in a new minister, could I? "'His wife is very pretty. "'Not exactly regally lovely, of course.' It wouldn't do, I suppose, for a minister to have a regally lovely wife because it might set a bad example. Mrs. Lynn says the minister's wife over at Newbridge sets a very bad example because she dresses so fashionably. Our new minister's wife was dressed in blue muslin with lovely puffed sleeves and a hat trimmed with roses. Jane Andrews said she thought puffed sleeves were too worldly for a minister's wife. "'But I didn't make any such uncharitable remark, Marilla, "'because I know what it is like to long for puffed sleeves. "'Besides, she's only been a minister's wife for a little while, "'so one should make allowances, shouldn't they? "'They're going to board with Mrs. Lynde until the man's is ready.' If Marilla, in going down to Mrs. Lynde's that evening, was actuated by any motive save her avowed ones of returning the quilted frame she had borrowed the preceding winter, it was an amiable weakness shared by most of the Avonlea people. Many a thing Mrs. Lynde had lent, sometimes never expecting to see it again, came home that night in charge of the borrowers thereof. A new minister, and moreover, a minister with a wife, was a lawful object of curiosity in a quiet little country settlement where sensations were few and far in between. So, something new has happened. <laughs> I,
1: I like how people borrow things from Mrs. Lynde so they have an excuse to go talk to her when something's well, afoot.
0: Well, I think what's happened more is that they borrowed things uh, and, and many a thing Mrs. Lynde had lent really hard to say by the way many a thing mrs Lynde had lent sometimes never expecting to see it again came home that night in charge of the borrowers thereof so strange everything just mysteriously appeared the night there's a minister and a wife and there's talk something to talk about old mr bentley the minister whom anne had found lacking in imagination had been pastor of avonlea for 18 years He was a widower when he came, and a widower he remained, despite the fact that gossip regularly married him to this, that, or the other one every year of his sojourn. In the preceding February he had resigned his charge and departed amid the regrets of his people, most of whom had the affection born of long intercourse for their good old minister, in spite of his shortcomings as an orator. Since then, the Avonlea Church had enjoyed a variety of religious dis- dissipation. Mm-hmm. I need to know what this word is. Descent. Yes?
1: Uh, let's have a look.
0: Dissipation is an irreversible process that takes place in homogeneous thermodynamic systems. I don't think it's that.
1: Yeah, mine says overindulgence and sensual pleasures.
0: Okay, so excess Or the
1: squandering of money, energy or resources.
0: It's a excess. dissipation. So it's, just, it's been like kind of squandered, that makes sense. So since then the Avonlea Church had enjoyed a variety of religious dissipation in listening to the many and various candidates and supplies who came Sunday after Sunday to preach on trial. These stood or fell by the judgments of the fathers and mothers in Israel. "'But a certain small, red-haired girl "'who sat meekly in the corner of the old Cuthbert pew "'also had her opinions about them "'and discussed the same in full with Matthew, "'Marilla always declining from principle "'to criticise ministers in any shape or form. "'I don't think Mrs Smith would have done, Matthew,' "'was Anne's final summing up. (laughs) "'Mrs Lynde says his delivery was so poor, "'but I think his worst fault was just like Mr Bentley's. "'He had no imagination.' and Mr. Terry had too much. He let it run away with him, just as I did mine in the matter of the haunted woods. Besides, Mrs. Lynn says his theology wasn't sound. Mr. Gresham was a very good man and a very religious man. but He told too many funny stories and made the people laugh in church. He was undignified, and you must have some dignity about a minister, mustn't you, Matthew?' I thought Mr. Marshall was decidedly attractive, but Mrs. Lynde says he isn't married or even engaged because she made special inquiries about him, and she says it would never do to have a young unmarried minister in Avonlea because he might marry in the congregation, and that would make trouble. Mrs. Lynde is a very far-seeing woman, isn't she, Matthew? <laughs> I am very glad they've called Mr. Allen. I liked him because his sermon was interesting and he prayed as if he meant it and not just as if he did it because he was in the habit of it. Mrs. Lynn said he isn't perfect, but she says she supposes one couldn't expect a perfect minister for $750 a year and anyhow his theology is sound because she questioned him thoroughly on all the points of the doctrine (laughs) and she knows his wife's people and they are the most respectable and the women are all good housekeepers. Mrs. Lynde says the sound doctrine in the man and the good housekeeping in the woman make an ideal combination for a minister's family. Mrs. Lynde, mm. Lovely. The new minister and his wife were a young, pleasant-faced couple, still on their honeymoon and full of all good and beautiful enthusiasms for their chosen life work. Avonlea opened its heart to them from the start old and young, like the frank, cheerful young man with his high ideals, and the bright, gentle little lady who assumed the mistresship of the manse. With Mrs. Allen, Anne fell promptly and wholeheartedly in love. She had discovered another kindred spirit. Mrs. Allen is perfectly lovely, she announced one Sunday afternoon. She's taken our class, and she's a splendid teacher." She said right away she didn't think it was fair for the teacher to ask all the questions, and you know, Marilla, that is exactly what I've always thought. She said we could ask her any question we liked, and I asked her ever so many. I'm good at asking questions, Marilla. I believe you, was Marilla's (laughs) emphatic comment. (laughs) Nobody else asked any except Ruby Gillis, and she asked if there was to be a Sunday school picnic this summer. I didn't think that was a very proper question to ask, because it hadn't any connection with the lesson. The lesson was about Daniel in the lion's den. But Mrs. Allen just smiled and said she thought there would be. Mrs. Allen has a lovely smile, and she has such exquisite dimples in her cheeks. I wish I had dimples in my cheeks, Marilla. I'm not half so skinny as I was when I came here, but I have no dimples yet. If I had, perhaps, I could influence people for good.' "'Mrs. Allen said we ought to always try to influence other people for good. "'She talks so nice about everything. "'I never knew before that religion was such a cheerful thing. "'I always thought it was a kind of melancholy. "'But Mrs. Allen's isn't, "'and I'd like to be Christian if I could be one like her. "'I wouldn't want to be one like Mr. Superintendent Bell.' "'It is very naughty of you to speak so about Mr. Bell,' said Marilla severely. "'Mr. Bell is a real good man.' "'Oh, of course he's good,' agreed Anne.' But he doesn't seem to get any comfort out of it. If I could be good, I'd dance and sing all day because I was glad of it. I suppose Mrs. Allen is too old to dance and sing, and of course it wouldn't be dignified in a minister's wife. But I can just feel she's glad she's a Christian, and that she'd be one even if she could get to heaven without it. So that's an interesting sentence. Reminds me of a quote that says that the fear of hell and the reward of paradise shouldn't be determining, like so that that doesn't determine your motives for applying things mm. in practice. And that's true. So it's good.
1: Yeah, you, you do good because you want to do good.
0: Yeah, because if you genuinely believe in what you believe and you want to put it into practice, it shouldn't be because you want to go to heaven or because you're afraid you're going to go to hell. You should do it because you actually believe it's going to make a positive. The world of a better place. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, deep philosophy in about 3.2 seconds. (laughs) "'I suppose we must have Mr. and Mrs. Allen up to tea some day soon,' said Marilla reflectively. "'They've been most everywhere but here. Let me see. Next Wednesday would be a good time to have them. But don't say a word to Matthew about it, for if he knew they were coming, he'd find some excuse to be away that day. (laughs) He'd got so used to Mr. Bentley that he didn't mind him.' but he's going to find it hard to get acquainted with a new minister, and a new minister's wife will frighten him to death.
1: Poor Matthew.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'll be as secret as the dead, assured Anne. But, oh, Marilla, will you let me make the cake for the occasion? I'd love to do something for Mrs. Allen, and you know I can make a pretty good cake by this time. You can make a layer cake, promised Marilla. Monday and Tuesday, great preparations went on at Green Gable's. Having the minister and his wife to tea was a serious and important undertaking, and Marilla was determined not to be eclipsed by any of the heavenly housekeepers. <laughs> it's a matter of pride. Mm-hmm. Anne was wild with excitement and delight. Okay, that's always a good combination with Anne. We never, you know, nothing bad ever happens.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
1: High highs, low lows.
0: <laughs> yep. She talked it all over with Diana Tuesday night in the twilight. "'as they sat on the big red stones by the dryad's bubble "'and made rainbows in the water, "'with little twigs dipped in fir balsam. "'Everything is ready, Diana, except my cake, "'which I'm to make in the morning, "'and the baking-powder biscuits, "'which Marilla will make just before tea-time. "'I assure you, Diana, "'that Marilla and I have had a busy two days of it. "'It's such a responsibility having the minister's family to tea. "'I never went through such an experience before.' You should just see our pantry. It's a sight to behold. We're going to have jellied chicken and cold tongue. jelly
1: <laughs> <laughs> jelly chicken and cold tongue. Mm.
0: We're going to have two kinds of jelly, red and yellow and whipped cream and lemon pie and cherry pie <sighs> and three types of cookies. Let's try that again.
1: No, you were you were good.
0: Three kinds of cookies. See, I'm oh. being pedantic. Three kinds of cookies and fruit cake and Marilla's famous yellow plum preserves that she keeps especially for ministers and pound cake and layer cake and biscuits as a four-set. Jeez, that's a
1: bit overkill, isn't it?
0: Diabetes. No. Um, this, this well, is,
1: well, that's that's all made with fresh ingredients and that's, everything. But well,
0: still, diabetes—it's so much starch, so much sugar. Although it doesn't really matter; anything in excess is not great for metabolic disorders. Um, here's here's a thought, <laughs> like going. Um, this would be a paleo paleolithic uh, diet diet nightmare.
1: <laughs> I'm drooling at the thought of the lemon and cherry pie. That's a good I one. love fruit pies.
0: Lemon pie and cherry pie. Yeah. Mm. Um, so. And new bread and old both in case the minister is dyspeptic and can't eat new so apparently yeah that makes sense like it's kind of settled crust oh, okay. Yeah. okay Mrs. Lynn says ministers are dyspeptic so every one of them has got an upset stomach apparently
1: well if if they keep going over to houses and that's laid in front of them that's
0: fair that's fair it's a lot of food every every couple of days. But I don't think Mr. Allen has been a minister long enough for it to have had a bad effect on him. So it's like, he's still new. Bad Having being a minister has a bad effect on your health? That's really scary.
1: Well, yeah, because... The stress. Well, no, that the town wants to... Everyone in town always wants to impress you. Is it
0: bad that I just thought of The Simpsons and how um, the pastor how he responded like
1: he- how dispassionate he is
0: <laughs> well and how he got that way yeah yes okay <clears throat> i just grow cold when i think of my lair cake oh diana what if it shouldn't be good i dreamed all last night that i was chased all around by a fearful goblin with a big lair cake for a head <laughs> it'll be good all right assured diana who was very comfortable sort of friend I'm sure that piece of the one that you made that we had for lunch at Idlewild two weeks ago was perfectly elegant, yes, but cakes have such a terrible habit of turning out bad just when you especially want them to be good. sighed Anne, setting a particularly well balsamed twig afloat. However, I suppose I shall just have to trust to Providence and be careful to put in the flour. Oh, look, Diana, what a lovely rainbow. Do you suppose the dryad will come out after we go away and take it for a scarf? You know there is no such thing as a dryad, said Diana. Diana's mother had found out about the haunted wood and had been decidedly angry over it. As a result, Diana had abstained from any further imitative flights of imagination and did not think it prudent to cultivate a spirit of belief even in harmless dryads. Oh, but it's so easy to imagine there is, said Anne. Every night before I go to bed, I look out of my window and wonder if the dryad is really sitting here, combing her locks with the spring for a mirror. Sometimes I look for her footprints in the dew in the morning. Oh, Diana, don't give up your faith in the dryad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wednesday morning came. Anne got up at sunrise because she was too excited to sleep. She had caught a severe hot. <laughs> oh, no. She had caught a severe cold in the head by reason of her dabbling in the spring on the preceding evening, but nothing short of an absolute pneumonia could have quenched her interest in culinary matters that morning. So she's excited. She's hyper. She's extremely under pressure and she's got a head cold. All good things. Mm. And she's extremely determined again. Mm. After breakfast, she proceeded to make her cake. When she finally shut the oven door upon it, she drew a long breath. I'm sure I haven't forgotten anything this time, Marilla. But do you think it will rise? Just suppose perhaps the baking powder isn't good. I used it out of the new can. And Mrs. Lynn says you can never be sure of getting good baking powder nowadays when everything is so adulterated. So again, she's, she's like you know, processed. Mm. Yeah. Mrs. Lynn says the government ought to take the matter up. But she says we'll never see the day when a Tory government will do it. Marilla, what if the cake doesn't rise? We'll have plenty without it, was Marilla's unimpassioned way of looking at the subject. Hmm. Good point. The cake did rise, however, and came out of the oven as light and feathery as golden foam. Anne, flushed with the light, clapped it together with layers of ruby jelly and in imagination saw Mrs. Allen eating it and possibly asking for another piece. "'You'll be using the best tea set, of course, Marilla,' she said. "'Can I fix the table with ferns and wild roses?' "'I think that's all nonsense,' sniffed Marilla. "'In my opinion, it's the eatables that matter and not flumery decorations.' "'Mrs. Barry had her table decorated,' said Anne, "'who was not entirely guiltless of the wisdom of the serpent.' (laughs) "'And the minister paid her an elegant compliment. "'He said it was a feast for the eye as well as the palate.' Well, do as you like, said Marilla, who was quite determined not to be surpassed by Mrs. Barry or (laughs) anybody else. Only mind you leave enough room for the dishes and the food. Anne laid herself out to decorate in a manner and after fashion that should leave Mrs. Barry's nowhere. Having an abundance of roses and ferns, and a very artistic taste of her own, she made that tea table such a thing of beauty that when the minister and his wife sat down to it, they exclaimed in chorus over its loveliness. It's Anne's doing, said Marilla grimly just, and Anne felt that Mrs. Allen's approving smile was almost too much happiness for this world. (laughs) Matthew was there, having been inveigled into the party, only goodness knows, and Anne knew how. He had been in such a state of shyness and nervousness that Marilla had given him up in despair, but Anne took him in hand so successfully that he now sat at the table in his best clothes and white collar and talked to the minister, not uninterestingly. He never said a word to Mrs. Allen, but that perhaps was not to be expected. All went merry as a marriage bell until Anne's layer cake was passed. Mrs. Allen, having already been helped to a bewildering variety, "'declined it, but Marilla, "'seeing the disappointment on Anne's face, "'said smilingly, "'Oh, you must take a piece of this, Mrs. Allen. "'Anne made it on purpose for you.' (laughs) "'On purpose? (laughs) "'This is funny. "'Just that turn of phrase and the meaning it has now "'is not the same. "'In that case, I must sample it,' "'laughed Mrs. Allen, "'helping herself to a plump triangle, "'as did also the minister and Marilla. "'Mrs. Allen took a mouthful of hers,' and a most peculiar expression crossed her face. Not a word did she say, however, but steadily ate away at it. Marilla saw the expression and hastened to taste the cake. Oh, no. Anne Shirley, she exclaimed, what on earth did you put into that cake? Nothing but what the recipe said, Marilla, cried Anne with a look of anguish. Oh, isn't it all right? All right. It's simply horrible. Mr. Allen, don't try to eat it. Anne, taste it yourself. What flavoring did you use? Vanilla? said Anne, her face scarlet with mortification after tasting the cake. Only vanilla? Oh, Marilla, it must have been the baking powder. I had my suspicions of that baking. Baking powder fiddlesticks. Go and bring me the bottle of vanilla you used.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I've read a little ahead. Go, yep. Keep going. <laughs>
0: Anne fled to the pantry and returned with a small bottle partially filled with a brown liquid and labelled yellowly Best Vanilla. (laughs) Marilla took it, uncorked it, and smelled it. Mercy on us, Anne. You flavoured that cake with anodyne liniment. I broke the liniment bottle last week and poured what was left into an old empty vanilla bottle. I suppose it's partly my fault. It is partly your fault. It's definitely your fault. I should have warned you, but for pity's sake, why couldn't you have smelt it? <laughs> Anne dissolved into tears under this double disgrace. I couldn't. I've had such a cold. And with this, she fairly fled to the gable chamber, where she cast herself on the bed and wept as one who refuses to be comforted. No Aww. Aww. Poor Anne. Yeah. It's pretty damn funny. When...
1: Anodyne liniment. So that, that's like a tiger balm, that kind of thing?
0: Um, I'm looking it up. It's not sand,
1: because I, I I've I've understood liniment to be what you rub in. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's it would be like a tiger bomb but not tiger bomb itself, but something like that. Yeah,
1: probably more um, floral, like a eucalyptus. or something. I have
0: something no like idea. That. We have to look. I mean, it
1: up. I mean, Canada doesn't have eucalyptus, but that kind of yeah, like you a know, pine thing or oh, some some plant
0: very based. pungent, something mm. pungent and not so not pleasant.
1: Actually, let me just quickly look up what anodyne going is. you to look
0: this up. Uh,
1: oh, a pain-killing drug or medicine. Uh, uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like a pain relief.
0: Oh, no. Could you imagine the flavor of the cake and then your mouth going slightly numb?
1: Uh, let me see what it's made from. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah.
1: It's you, you used to lessen pain through the reducing the sensitivity of the brain or nervous system.
0: Oh, no. Uh,
1: uh, Onion,
0: lily, li- 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 root of mallows, leaves of violet, and elderberry. I mean, if it just, just elderberry. The
1: primary anodynes were opium, henbane, hemlock, tobacco, nightshade, and chloroform.
0: Oh, gross. <laughs>
1: so, so that's not only makes it taste bad, that's actually kind of dangerous to ingest as well.
0: Yes, that's really funny. Oh, man. <laughs> Presently, a light step sounded on the stairs, and somebody entered the room. Oh, Marilla, sobbed Anne without ever looking up. I'm disgraced forever. <laughs> I shall never be able to live this down. It will get out. Things always do get out in Avonlea. Diana will ask me how my cake turned out, and I shall have to tell her the truth. I shall always be pointed out as the girl who flavoured a cake with anodyne liniment. Gil, the boys in school, will never get over laughing at it. Oh, Marilla, if you have a spark of Christian pity, don't tell me that I must go down and wash the dishes after this. I'll wash them when the minister and his wife are gone. But I cannot ever look in Mrs. Allen the face again. I cannot ever look Mrs. Allen in the face again. Perhaps she'll think I tried to poison her. Mrs. Lynn says she knows an orphan girl who tried to poison her benefactor. Oh. But the liniment isn't poisonous. It's meant to be taken internally, although not in cake. <laughs> Won't you tell Mrs. Allen so, Marilla? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing at the cake. <laughs> <laughs> i forgot i remembered like something went wrong but i forgot how badly it went wrong i thought it was like well, he, she swapped sugar and salt and because her nose is blocked, she couldn't taste anything. Like, oh no it was far worse at,
1: at this point in the story the idea that something will go wrong seems to be a given <laughs>
0: yes especially when you've got a combination of she's really excited she's really looking forward and she is not concentrating yeah. but in this case i would blame marilla more so because she can't smell Can't smell. Anne can't smell.
1: Did Marilla know about the cold? Anne might have hid that
0: from her. That's the part that, yeah, it's kind of a a comedy of errors, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It's very much Anne. Suppose you jump up and tell her so yourself, said a merry voice. Anne flew up to find Mrs. Allen standing by her bed, surveying her with laughing eyes. My dear little girl, you mustn't cry like this, she said, genuinely disturbed by Anne's tragic face. Why it's all just a funny mistake that anybody might make, oh no, it takes me to... <laughs> oh no, it takes me to make such a mistake, said <laughs> Anne forlornly, and I wanted to have that cake so nice for you, Mrs. Allen. Yes, I know, dear, and I assure you, I appreciate your kindness and thoughtfulness just as much as if it had turned out all right. Now, you mustn't cry any more, but come down with me and show me your flower garden. "'Miss Cuthbert tells me you have a little plot, all your own. "'I want to see it, for I am very much interested in flowers.' "'Anne permitted herself to be led down and comforted, "'reflecting that it was really providential "'that Mrs. Allen was a kindred spirit. "'Nothing more was said about the liniment cake, "'and when the guests went away, "'Anne found that she had enjoyed the evening "'more than could have been expected, "'considering that terrible incident. "'Nevertheless, she sighed deeply.' Marilla, isn't it nice to think that tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I warrant you'll make plenty in it, said Marilla. I never y- saw you beat for making mistakes, Anne. <laughs> That's kind
1: of harsh. <laughs> That's really <laughs>
0: harsh. But, uh, but yes, and well I know it, admitted Anne mournfully. I think she's trying to encourage her to think. <laughs> like, pause and think and not, like, rush. That helps. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. Yes, and well I know it, admitted Anne mournfully. But have you ever noticed one encouraging thing about me, Marilla? I never make the same mistake twice. Ah. I don't know that's much benefit when you're always making new ones. Oh, don't you see, Marilla? There must be a limit to the mistakes one person can make. And when I get to the end of them, then I'll be through with them. That's a very comforting thought. Well, you'd better go and give that cake to the pigs, said Marilla. It isn't fit for any human to eat, not even Jerry (laughs) Butte. I love how the French are being placed a step above the pigs. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I understand, Quebec. I now understand.
1: Well, well, look, look, there could be a racial side to that, but it could just be like he's a young boy who will eat
0: anything. It's not fit for human consumption. Give it to the pigs. It's not even fit for Jerry Boot. I'm not taking it any other way than racism. Okay. Um, Or, or maybe classism as well, because of the fact that he's poor and not the truth.
1: Yeah. Mm. Oh well, that was a delightful chapter. That
0: was hilarious. It's usually the really bad scrapes that are pretty damn funny (laughs) because they're just so preventable. Some of them.
1: And and. Even though I appreciate the sentiment, I do like her naivety. Like, goes, oh, but there could only be so many mistakes one could make, and eventually I'll get to the end of them.
0: <laughs> ah, sweetheart, <no. laughs> But at least she'll not make the same mistake twice, probably. Well, she hasn't so far, so that's been pretty good. Well,
1: if you want to kind of take a step outside, I mean, she keeps making mistakes for the same reason.
0: Yes. Yes, you can't avoid that kind of thing. But she's also learning, like that. What's the cause of it? She does. She's identifying it, so she's learning. She's slowly curbing the habits. I think that's the main thing. So we are going to. Um, We're next done week, for now. Yeah. Yes, for next week we will have uh, a lovely chapter titled "Anne is invited out to tea."
1: I also, I also like going forward that um, Mrs. Allen. As a kindred spirit, I think the new minister and the minister's wife might play a larger role in things. And and Anne seems quite smitten with well, Mrs. Anne is, Allen. I
0: think Anne is happy to connect to people who are accepting of her, who are embracing of her, who welcome... I mean, Mrs. Allen's response is like, look, mistakes happen. It's okay. It's not that bad. And show me something else that you're interested in and that you'd like to share. And,
1: and even how Anne said... She's taking, you know, Sunday school, and she's said that we can ask all the questions she, we want.
0: Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, or even, um,
1: I think she said it more about Mr. Allen than Mrs. Allen, but how she said, he, no, she said it about Mrs. Allen, where her goodness makes me want to be a Christian yeah. just because of how she approaches. And
0: then he, Mr. Allen, that he said when he's saying prayers, he he's saying them as though he, like, he genuinely means mm-hmm. them, not just not their ritual, yeah um which is not so i think integ- she recognizes integrity and sincerity really well and kindness or or,
1: or when people have passion for things because um yeah she's y- you know passionate. what what she said about f- faith there is something i've always kind of been turned off by how she said before the allens came i always thought religion had a melancholy tint to it like yeah. it was supposed to be somber and stuffy and yeah, serious, and,
0: but at the same time, she she also recognizes it needs to have dignity. Like her perception is mm-hmm. that you. There was
1: that guy like, who was too silly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the fact that yeah, Mrs. Allen's like very focused on the the fact that this child is very gentle, mm-hmm. a gentle heart, very sensitive, and to treat. That's a really I like her as a character. She's lovely. She's a lovely character.
1: Yeah, a, a, a new uh, positive role model has entered Abelman.
0: Yeah. and I mean Marilla's approach is needed in part but she is quite harsh I think Mrs. Allen's a good little balance for that in a way Um, so yes
1: well that was wonderful yet again Um,
0: just so ah. and on that note
1: yeah okay well let us wrap up as usual the music at the start of the podcast was Avonlea by Haggard Hardy
0: and at the end of the podcast it's um, I Am The Slime by Frank Zappa
1: you can find me over on Twitter at Dave underscore the underscore Turnip.
0: You can find me at Rue McMoo, or you can find our podcast at
1: SMBSLT Podcast. That's on Twitter and our Facebook page. Or if you'd like to email us, you can email us at Podcast at com.
0: So on that note.
1: Yeah, uh, please leave us some feedback. We would mm. love to hear from you. If uh, you have seen cats and would like to talk about it, I would enjoy back and forth. Oh, and thank you for indulging uh, my <laughs> need to uh, gush about the movie at the start of the podcast. We, I know it's not literature, but it is the arts.
0: The fantastical <laughs> fever dream that is cats. It, it's <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's one of those things that just. You know, maybe that's why I like it so much. It's something that should not be, but it exists. And there's a joy in it existing.
0: Fair. Uh, We have, uh, I'm trying to think of a thing. No, that's, now I'm going to have a cup of tea. Cup of tea sounds Dave, you are invited to our cup of tea. Ah, (laughs) Ah. And
1: and next week, Anne will have a cup of tea.
0: Exactly. She'll be invited up for tea.
1: Time is a closed circle. So, until next time, we hope you're enjoying uh, the podcast. And we hope you're enjoying reading.
0: Yes. Enjoy!